Let's open our Bible as we go into God's word this morning. Are you ready for God's word? Not everybody? Are we ready for God's word? Matthew 7 verse 24 to 27. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 to 27. If you don't have a Bible, you can share with your neighbor or you can just look at the screen. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 to 27. I want us to read it out loud in concert. I want to hear everybody's voices. So we're all going to read it together. Media, are you ready for us? Matthew chapter 7. Let's read it one to go. Therefore, whosoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Verse 25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. Verse 26. And everyone that hears the sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. I want us to note in this passage of scripture, that the same experience that the man that built on the sand and the man that built um, on the rock, they had the same experience but different outcomes. I want to read something out to us this morning, right, from my, from my upcoming book. Somebody might, might, have, might have had that before that. So when is this book coming out? <laughs> Hopefully this year, right? That's going to be the sequel to how to find the right person to marry. So um, this one is for the married people. 20 things you need to know after getting married. So one of the things in my research, one of the things I discovered, you know, uh, in a research that, already, that has already been done by a man by the name of George Banner. He's a Christian researcher. He said that 35% of Christians and non-Christians have experienced a divorce. And what's still is that 23% have been divorced more than once. And one of the things that has been discovered is that there will be um, this generation we have, and it's obvious around us anyway, even if nobody did that research, it's obvious if you're paying attention, that this generation is going to have a higher rate of divorce, right, than our parents' generation. And you see, one of the reasons is because today people are selecting for the wrong reasons, and um, people are not giving um, enough thoughtfulness right to the process of selection and um, that's inevitable but for us our experiences have to be different is somebody hearing me this morning our experience has to be different so we'll see here in the book of matthew this is jesus talking about the quality upon which people were building now the house here being talked about is not necessarily a physical structure now it could be that right but it's not necessarily referring to a physical structure it's referring to a life it's referring to anything that you're building and you see it says that the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew upon the house that was built on the rock the same thing with the house that was built on the sand it says the rain descended the floods came and the winds blew same thing same experience but different outcomes i want us to realize that um, in spite of what we watched in cartoons, fairy tales growing up, and they lived happily ever after, <laughs> that does not exist in the real world. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? If happily ever after is going to be your experience, uh, it's not by getting married. You know, most times when you watch all those cartoons and movies, they, they always stop or it always ends at when they get married. Right? <laughs> the job actually begins the day you say, I do. That's not the day the job ends. You know, there is this unconscious deception that comes to the best of us, right? Especially at the place of getting married. Because when you go to school, you must have done years of assignments, years of tests, years of examination. And at the end of some years, they now give you a certificate, right? To certify. That's actually the meaning of a certificate. That what you have learned, it has been certified that of the truth you have learned it. But unfortunately, in marriage, you don't spend 10 years. They will now call you back and say, of the truth, you have been certified to be a married person. At the point of getting married, you are given a certificate and they tell you to go figure it out. So there is this unconscious deception in the hearts of many of us that makes us to believe, I know what I'm doing. I'm old enough. If I'm old enough to get married, then I'm old enough, especially for the men. If I'm old enough to be a husband, then I, I, I know <laughs> I know what it takes to build a home. I know what it takes right, to make my marriage work. But in most cases, that is not the truth. And you see, the Bible says wisdom is justified by our children. By our children. So you can see the experiences, the results. You see, and let me tell you this. It is not enough for one person to be building on the rock in a home. Even though today the edition, today's edition of Love Lounge talks more to you know married people, but I want you to know that every single person you have something to learn because knowledge has both an immediate value and a postdated relevance. The best time to learn about something is before you enter into it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it's not enough for maybe the man to be building on the rock and the woman to be building on the sand, or for the man to be building, you know, um, on the sand and the woman is building on the rock. If the home is going to work, both parties have to be building on the same thing. I want you to understand that the foundation upon which you build is very important. And what you are building will be tested. Did you notice in this scripture, you know, it's amazing. I just saw it for the very first time yesterday. That the rain, the floods, and the wind did not come during the process of building. It was after they had finished. (laughs) You know. After they had finished, I said, yes, I built a house. The Bible says, the rain now descended. So, life will wait for you to finish what you claim to be building. You see, I've said it several times and I'm going to say it again in case some of us are going to hear it for the first time. The real proof that a relationship has been successful is not that you got married. Fools get married. Incompatible people get married. Right? So the fact that people walk down the aisle, wear a tuxedo and a wedding dress, and they take vows, is no guarantee that the relationship has succeeded. The real proof of the success of a relationship is revealed over time, right? Not overnight. Not even at the wedding. Because wedding is for people, marriage is for you. Wedding is for a day, marriage is meant to be for a lifetime. Unfortunately, many people invest so much in the wedding, but invest little or nothing in marriage. One of the things we're going to be starting this year, before mid-year, is that we are going to be, our own marriage counseling, you, you know, in this house, is going to be a course. And it's going to be a quality course that, you know, you can get anywhere in the world. And it's not going to be free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Uh, because free things are usually watered down. Now, it's not going to be expensive. It's going to be affordable. Because I've realized, and one of the reasons why we're going to place, place a price tag on it is so that people can value it. People spend so much on their wedding, but they invest nothing on the, on the thing they will spend the rest of their life doing. So you ask the average person that wants to get married, how many courses have you gone for? When it comes to marriage, even when you ask that question, it sounds foreign to them. Course. Is he MBA? No, no. We, we, we've got. Many of the marriage counseling many of us went to, huh? those of us that are married, if you'll be honest with yourself, there are, are things that you'll be wondering. They are, they are sleeping pills. Sometimes what people hear in counseling are things that even secondary school students, 100 level students already know. Ah, don't fight. Though. When you fight, hug each other. Say you are sorry. You know, those, those are, you know, nobody talks about understanding yourself, understanding your personality, understanding your love language, not just understanding it, discovering it. So you see here in this parable where Jesus, you know, gave, that life will always wait for you to finish what you claim to have built. And every one of us, we are going to experience the rain, we are going to experience the flood, and we are going to experience the wind. And let me tell you, these are not just words Jesus felt like doing. These are the three things that will test every marriage. Test every courtship. Rain stands for blessings. Somebody say blessings. You see, some people, their marriage was working until the blessing of the Lord came. Rain in this context stands for blessing. You see, for many people, you don't know what they are made up of until they begin to experience a measure of blessing. That guy that you said is humble. It may be that the reason he's humble is because he's broke. Because you can't be poor and proud. That's, <laughs> that's a bad equation. If you are broke, you can't afford to be proud. You have to be humble for you to rise. So it may be that the reason why he's so humble, he greets everybody. He's all, you know, amiable, friendly. It's because he has nothing. Could it be that when money comes into his hand, right, it will become another human being? You see, other people say things like, you know, when money, when my wife started making this amount of money or when my husband started making this amount of money, he changed. He did not change. He was revealed. She did not change. She was revealed. And let me tell you this. All those things, <laughs> they always show up in relationship and in courtship. It's just that people don't pay attention. So one of the ways you also realize is if he has a job, uh, when he gets a salary, the week of payment, study his character, study his behavior. You know, is it that time he becomes aloof? Is it that time he spends without involving you, without telling you? That already tells you right if he has problem with accountability when he's earning 200,000 or 100,000 by the time that 100,000 becomes 1 million uh, you know you won't be able to get his attention so the blessing is the first test every marriage will go through and my prayer is that every family and every marriage that will be established under the sound of my voice you will not lack the blessing of God and when I'm talking about blessing, I'm not just talking about, you know, um, uh, uh, blessing as in spiritual blessings. I'm talking about material and financial blessings. May you experience it in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. So for some people, you cannot really know until they get through that test, that test of the rain, that test of the rain. The second test every marriage will go through is the test of the flood. The test of the flood. 
Now, the flood represents challenges. And the purpose of a challenge, why it comes, is to make you a champion. But you see, if you have not developed the capacity to be a champion, when you are thrown into the boxing ring of life, they can carry your dead body out. <laughs> because there is a capacity, a measure of strength that must be developed. That must be developed. The reason why you see a lot of, you know, relationships, marriage get knocked down by depression, you know, by discouragement. It's because they were not ready for the challenges they were confronted with in marriage. And let me tell you this, everybody will face some challenges. It's just that our, what we are going to face is going to be different from what your friend is facing. And you see, those challenges will not come pre-announced. And that is why it is necessary, very important, to build capacity right before you get into it for those of us that are still single. And the third test is the test of the wind. The test of the wind. Wind simply represents trends. That is things that come and go. You know, when the wind blows, winds don't blow permanently. Huh? At least a gush of wind. It does not blow permanently. At times you experience the blowing of the winds. Ah! It's blowing well here. Sometimes it will subside. Now, what many people do is they build their marriage on things that are fleeting. Things that don't last. If they are going to be spending 20, 30, 40, 50 years in something, is it not better to build your marriage on something that will still be here 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now? You see a lot of people when they are planning for their wedding, the focus is on trending. Now, there is nothing wrong in trending. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when that becomes your obsession, at the expense of building on the right foundation, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Some people don't care about what the word of God says. They don't care about what is right. As long as I trained. As long as I'm still chilling with the big boys. <laughs> you know, they just don't care. It's about the trends. Am I trending? Is anybody noticing me? Can, can, can they see me? How many likes? Some people plan their wedding just because they want to trend on social media. How many likes does that picture have now? They can't afford it. <laughs> but they borrow money for a day and pay it for the next couple of years. I've not been able to understand that. You see, if you spend $10 million on a wedding and you don't say I do, you have not wedded. That part, the most important part of every wedding ceremony, it is free. You don't need money to say I do. But people borrow. <laughs> so you see, how where the atmosphere, the location, uh, where you want to say the I do, is what makes you spend that much money. Now, I have no problem with people doing big weddings and everything. Like, our own wedding was a carnival of some sort. Because of the family we were both we are both from, so there's nothing wrong in it. But if you can afford it, and if all the money is not coming from your pocket, if your family wants to spend the money, let them spend it. It's their money. But you are just starting your life. You have no savings. You have nothing saved up for the, for the future. But you must trend. Don't be like that. That's building on the wrong foundation. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Wrong foundations to build on tradition and culture. 
some of us when we're thinking about who to get married to, I want to talk for some few moments to the, you know, singles. Of course, singles are married, but more to the singles now. When you want to select a life partner, huh? you see, the Bible says in Christ, there is no Jew, there is no Greek. The most important thing is, is this person submitted to God's word? Do we have the same values? Do we believe the same thing? That's, are, we, are we from the same village? You see, you can be from the same village. In fact, be from the same household and have problems. Don't you fight with your siblings. Raised under the same roof. It's a wrong foundation. Traditions. Because tradition can change. Culture can change. Another wrong foundation is idioms and proverbs. You know, some people build their homes on that. A lot of women, only God knows how many women have been told by their mothers. The road to a man's heart is his belly. Those are idioms. Native intelligence. What if you marry a man that's not really a food person? So you can never find a way to his heart. <laughs> Another wrong foundation is other people's experiences. And please, let me warn us on this. <laughs> other people's experience. See, Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The day you'll notice that I'm taking steps that is not in alignment with God's word, Apostle Paul said, you have the right to stop following me. Don't follow a man. Don't follow a pastor. I'm your pastor, but I'm also telling you this. Don't follow a man to the point whereby when he falls into error, you also fall into error with him. I had the story, you know, about um, someone that was on board, you know, an airplane a couple of years ago. And they just could not land at the airport for over 30 minutes. So they had to go to Ghana eventually. <laughs> and this man on board the plane noticed a particular, you know, woman in the business class. She was literally vibrating. So he being a Christian, you know, a mature believer walked up to her and said, okay, maybe you should come to the economy. You know, you are the only one here, you know, because she was the only one in the business class and brother close and said, you see, are you a Christian? She said, yes. So he told her, just keep confessing the word. He said, ah, oh, my brother. And the person mentioned the name of a woman of God, very popular, you know, whose name I don't need to mention, that died in a plane crash years ago. And said, if so-so-so person can die in a plane crash, who am I? That is building on other people's experience. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? And some of us are like that, say, ah, oh, Maybe you hear about the marriage of a man of God that didn't work out. Or maybe a woman of God you respect. You say, ah, what hope do I have? That's building on other people's experience. So if your pastor, that will never happen, slaps your, uh, slaps his wife, does that give every man a license to be slapping their wife? If my pastor can slap his wife, who am I not to slap her? No, that's building on that. So the fact that something did not work, in the life of someone you respect or you look up to, does that mean it will not work for you? But you see a lot of people, they keep building on other people's experiences, building on other people's experiences. You can only build in on other people's experience when those experiences are lined up with God's word. A wrong foundation people also build on is media. Let me tell you this, the media is not interested in telling you the truth. The earlier you know that, the better. The media is interested in getting viewership. That's why the media exists. <laughs> Very few media houses exist to, whether we get viewership or not, it doesn't matter. We just keep telling the truth. Very few. I don't know if any exist. 
That's why the past president of the United States called them out and said fake news. See, every time you watch something on the TV, there is a person called director. The director was the one that decided what you will see. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, um, I think it was early this year, you know, we had some of our family friends come around from outside the country and they were scared to come. So why? So because like they are kidnapping people in Nigeria. I said, ah, well, because in the US, all they've been hearing is as you are walking on the road like this, they can just carry you. But the question is, have they kidnapped you? Some of us here, you may not even have known anybody that knows anybody that knows anybody that they kidnapped. But you know, there is a way the media has painted it that on the streets, if you go out, you may not make it back. That's the work of the media. But a lot of people, you know, they build their marriage, build their homes, build their relationships on what the media is saying. On what the media is saying, this is how to do it. The media cannot be your template for building a marriage. Because the media can say today that something is right, tomorrow it can say it is wrong. You say, you know, with new information, we realize that we've been lying to you. They will not even say we've been lying. They will just, they will just say, with better information, and tell you another lie. Some of us have studied journalism. You know what I'm saying now? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you can't build on those things. You can't build on those things. You can't build on those things. So what are the 10 steps to a healthy marriage? Number one, get God involved. And I would encourage you to take notes because I want to believe you are not smart enough to remember all these 10 steps. Except you are planning to download the message after the service. And in most cases, I know you don't. Praise the Lord. So right. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Right. Number one is get God involved. Get God involved. You see, if I were speaking to pagans or speaking in a non-church setting, this would be understandable. But I know I'm speaking to some of us who have been in church all our lives. Some of us who understand the place of God. But I think this still needs to be said. Because I've seen a lot of people planning for their wedding or people that are even married. And you can see that there is no place of God in this marriage. You can just see it. And let me tell you this, God never created anything to function without him. Never forget that. And remember, marriage is not man's idea, it is God's idea. God never created anything to function outside of him. That's why in the book of beginnings in Genesis, the Bible says at the cool of every day, God will come to spend time with Adam and Eve. God did not join the first man and woman, right, outside of himself. Even after he joined them, he kept showing up every day, every single day. To think you can have a healthy marriage and a successful one without God is delusion. That day will never come. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can say, oh, but I've seen marriages of people that, you know, they are not believers, they are not saved, they don't even involve God, and it's successful. You think so? You really think so? If you think it is successful, just wait. Remember, it is not when you are building that the rain will come, that the floods will come. The rain is about to fall, don't worry. It's about to descend, using the King James Version. It's going to descend, and it is then you will know of the truth. If not involving God was really a wise choice. In John chapter 15 and verse 5, John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He said, it that abides in me and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit. 
For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you can do nothing. Somebody let's scream at that together, that last phrase. For without, you can what? You can do nothing. You can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. So to think that you can make your marriage successful or you can have a healthy marriage without God is to deceive yourself. You see, every healthy marriage is not a straight line. It's a triangle. I've said that before. It's a triangle. What I mean is this. The man is on one side. The woman is on the other side. You see, what traditional knowledge tells you is that work towards getting closer to each other. But the easiest way to getting closer to each other is to try to get closer to God together. That's why I said it's a triangle. The more you try to get closer to God, the closer you get to yourself. The closer you get to each other. Get God involved. As a single in your selection process, get God involved. You see, growing up, when people want to get married, we used to hear things like, have you prayed? Have you fasted? It's amazing that today, what we hear is, do you like her? Do you like him? No recourse to whether someone has prayed, whether they have gotten God involved. It's about, do you like him? Do you like her? Let me tell you this. What you like can change. Especially when you are still very young. Haven't you noticed so those of us that are maybe maybe still single or those of us that are married, that the kind of babes as a guy that you were attracted to in your teenage years or as a guy, it's not the same type of people you were attracted to when you became mature. What you like changed. So you can't make a lifetime decision just based on what you like. Because your likeness is determined by your feelings. Feelings are chemicals. They are hormones. The older you grow, the more you outgrow those things. The more you outgrow those things. So get God involved. Get God involved. Get God involved. Get him involved. And that's not a cliche. That is something you must be deliberate about. So every couple, so every couple, one of the questions you need to ask yourself, you know, as a result of this morning service is, are we really getting God involved in this marriage? Or better still, how do we get him more involved? If you're already doing that, how? Many of us grew up in homes with family devotion. In this age and time, it is non-existent in many homes. Your parents may be fighting, but they will still have morning devotion. How many of us know what I'm talking about? You will still hear the bell. <laughs> Good morning, Jesus. Good morning. <laughs> I will still pray. For those of us that grew up in denominational Christian homes, you know what I'm talking about? They may fight last night, but this morning they will still do devotion. See, so it's not a surprise that this generation is having a greater level of divorce. We are, number one, we don't pray before selecting. Number two, after we have selected, we don't pray together. So the only person that can even hold us together is no longer in the picture. Get God involved. How do you get him involved? Three practical steps. Constantly pray together. A couple that prays together will stay together. Because if you can pray together, you will have God will have your ears. It will be your 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 spirit man. Your heart will be fluid. Your heart will be tender. God will be able to get across to you. He will be able to speak to you. Pray together. Praying together strengthens your faith and your trust in God. 
praying together as a couple, right? And for those that may be engaged under the sound of my voice, you see, a time of courtship is not the time to be a food taster all over town. Going to every restaurant. They even already know you. As you're about to walk in. <laughs> Just welcome you. Ah, you're welcome. It was the day you have come. It's the time, you see, any serious-minded believer who is in a relationship that is leading to marry, you must have at least one day of the week that you pray together. Pray and fast together. Ah, pastor, is it, is it hard? <laughs> see, like I told you, you don't know the challenges waiting for you. And the Bible did not say, the rain may fall, the wind may blow. It says, it will you know it's amazing how balanced the bible is jesus said in this world you will have he didn't say you may have you know there was a gospel that was preached years ago give your life to christ if you give your life to jesus you will no longer have any trouble you will no longer be poor you know jesus didn't say that that's not the bible jesus said in this world you will have tribulation he says but you have he said he said in me you will have victory so it means you will not have victory if you don't involve him Pray together consistently because praying strengthens your faith and your trust in God. Praying solidifies your foundation. It solidifies your foundation which should be God. Praying together dethrones the flesh and strengthens the spirit in your home. It dethrones the flesh. When you see homes where people abuse, call names, fool, bastard, where oloshi, go and check those homes, they don't pray. Because the more you pray, the more the flesh dies in that home. Even when you use certain words, something will caution you that, what did you just say? But in an atmosphere where God is never involved, you can use any word and even feel cool about it. And when you go back to your private place, ah, I didn't use that one. Oh, ah, should have called out bastard, bastard. You just said bastard once. <laughs> but if you are truly praying, you see, that's why you see, let me tell you this. If you are married and you notice that your husband is not praying or your wife is not praying, it should be a concern. It's not really praying. It should be a concern because trouble is coming. That's why I'm still going to get to it. There must be a voice, somebody that you both respect that you can talk to, that the man and the woman can listen to. Because some men can listen. Because when you say that can listen to, everybody automatically thinks it's the men that don't listen. There are some women that are gods unto themselves. They can't be reached. So when you see something like that, there must be some. There must be someone that you are both submitted to that you can talk to. That ah, my husband has not been reading Bible. Even if he's, he's a pastor, pastor has been preaching for two months, but I've not been seeing him read the Bible. There must be somebody he can talk to. Or the wife can talk to. But you don't see that happening. He or she is not reading the Bible. He or she is not praying. And you are okay with it. When the problem arises, you will face it together. How do you get God involved? Number two, worship together. Somebody say worship together. The Bible says as the minister to the Holy Spirit... As the minister to God, the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas. That is what we do in the place of worship, ministering to God. You see, the only thing God cannot do for himself is to praise and worship himself. He has given man that responsibility. You want to hear God in your home. You want to receive his direction for your family, for your children. Learn to worship as a family. 
All this was not singing songs. Worship is not slow song. Now you sing in the morning before you pray. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning. That, that, that's not worship. Because worship is deliberate. Worship is heartfelt. Worship is planned. You know that today we want to worship God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We want to worship God. We want to worship God. Worship together as a family. Create times of worship. Create times of worship. Without your mobile devices. I just say, you know, it can be five minutes. It can be ten minutes. But want to worship God together. If it's not happening, be concerned. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because those are ways to get God involved. And let me tell you this. This is not a pastoral thing I'm telling you. Because Adam was not a pastor when God was involved in the marriage. Why do I need to be worshipping with my spouse? Uh, we are not called now. In case you don't even know, you are called. There's a calling on the life of every believer to the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody's not called to the pulpit ministry. Everybody's not called to hold the mic. But every believer has a call of God upon their life. How do you get involved? God Get God involved. Number three, share the word together. It simply means you must be reading the word. For instance, all through this year, as a church, we are reading the book of Proverbs. There are some families that have not read it once. At once. This Wednesday at the midweek retreat, we are going to be reviewing it because it is assumed you should have been reading it for three months. So don't run away from church or we bring church to your house. <laughs> Praise God. Study the word together. Oh, in church. You see, one of the things you can even do as a couple, huh? or as an engaged couple, or somebody planning to get married, when you get married, you see, is when you hear a message in church, discuss it when you get home. You know the reason why people discuss nonsense when they get home is because they are not discussing the right things, and you will always discuss something. The reason why what is being discussed in your home is the shoe of the pastor, the dress the choir leader wore three days ago that she rewore again today. Doesn't she have other clothes? Is because we are not discussing the right things. What you saw the glitter, ah, that glitter. Ah. How, why is she dressing like that? It's because you are not discussing the right thing. Sometimes get home, discuss the message. Ah, did you understand what pastor said? Yeah, I didn't understand. What do you think pastor meant here? You discuss it. That's how to get God involved. Let me tell you this. When you do things like that, you share the word together. You will realize you are growing together and the presence of God will be stronger in that home. The second step is be vision driven. Be vision driven. The vision driven. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. The Bible says where there is no vision. <laughs> the people perish. It's also true. Where there is no vision. Marriages will perish. Where there is no vision. Where there is no vision. You see. Coming together. In matrimony. Should be. To fulfill a vision. If you got married without a vision, the best time to develop a vision, craft a vision, or receive one from God, the best time is now. A lot of people go into marriage without even having an idea of why that union should exist. They only get married because I'm old enough to be married now. I'm a guy. I have a job. I'm earning well. I'm out of school. And I have a car. I'm the only son in my family. 
My mother is expecting grandchildren. Oh, I'm the only child. It's time to marry. Marriage is more than that. There must be a vision. Why does this union exist? Why is it that we didn't marry other people? Why did we marry each other? Is it that you go to God and you receive it? And why you are waiting to hear from God? Because just like I said, the first step, if you've not been getting God involved, if you've not been hearing him, it's not now that you need a vision. God, give us a vision. Now, now you can't put God under pressure. So you must already be used to hearing him. But in the absence of receiving one from God, craft one for yourself as a family. Every family must have what they are moving towards every year. And that annual vision must be broken down into quarterly plans. As a family, what do you want, what do you want to achieve in this quarter? The first quarter is gone. What did you achieve as a family in the first quarter? What are we planning to achieve in the second, in the third, and in the fourth quarter? It seems as if the year is, you only have nine months left. And 2022 is going to be over. And these are things for those of us that are still single. These are things you do in courtship. You see, when these things are not in place, you will have time for so many nonsense. As when you realize, ah, the eyeballs is black. I never knew. No, green. An African, what do you expect the color of the eyeballs to be? You'll be saying what you should not see. But look into my eyes. <laughs> you will see what uh, you've been hearing. <laughs> Better be careful what you are hearing as a single. Praise the Lord. You know music creates atmosphere. I hope you know. An atmosphere you don't want. You don't listen to the music that will create it. Praise the Lord. So be vision driven. Be vision driven. Be vision driven. What kind of marriage do you want as a single? What kind of marriage do you want? You have to be clear about it. What kind of marriage do I want as a married person? If you've not had that vision, you need to sit down and ask yourself. As people engage to be married, sit down together and ask yourself honestly. What kind of marriage do we want? In the next five, and, um, five to ten years, where do we want to be as a family, as a couple? Where must we be? These questions are important. Why does this union exist? Shouldn't be because you are holding off. It shouldn't be because you want to have access to free sex or escape poverty. That's one of the reasons people might. There are guys who have married certain ladies because she has a job. She's well paid. She's an accountant. She's earning six figures. Ah, if I marry this one, at least. Like we saw last week at the movie night. How many of us at movie night? Uh, you marry her because of inheritance. She's from a rich home. <laughs> and it still happens. So he has a vision. And he needs a sponsor. So you just felt the victim. So why does this marriage exist? For some people it's to manifest a prophecy. Because they have been to a place where they told them, this year, you will marry. I see that man. He's six feet, two inches. I see you in a tuxedo. <laughs> you know? So, and it is October. Prophecy has, you know some people try to help God. See, let me tell you this. If God says something, let him fulfill it. Or else we produce an Ishmael in the place of Isaac. And Ishmael will forever be a problem to Isaac. Just check our world. See, if God says something and it does not happen, it does not reduce his reputation. 
Because in other people's life, there are things he has said and it has happened. So, God's word not coming to your to pass in your life will not be a reason for people to disbelieve God. I said to down, calm down. Say, ah, what if it does not happen? What if it does not happen? What if it does not happen? It may be there are things you need to do, things you don't know. That's why the prophecy is not being you know made manifest as I went to you. But don't get married to fulfill prophecy. You know, some people have family pastors. They have the church they go to. Then they now have pastors that come to pray in their house. No, that's rubbish. I said that with no sense of apology. You will soon get confused. Those kind of people, let me tell you this, I know them. We grew up having some of them in my family. Those people, what, the only thing they can do is to wreck your family. I ask people that have experienced it. You hear one thing in church, they will come, they will say, ah, we, you know, we, you should do seven, we will fast together. It's because you don't have the job. That's why you left your house and said you want to come and do seven days VG with us. Is somebody coming now to leave my house to come and be doing VG with you? It can't happen. You don't want to. It cannot happen. If you don't want to pray, don't pray. If God tells me to tell you to do VG and you don't, I will now leave my house. You come and stay in your house. You don't want breakthrough. If you want, you will pray. But you know, there's some people, that's their job. Moving from house to house, creating problems and dissent. So you hear one thing in church. But the family pastor that has no church, that has no congregation, but is a pastor. You know, today every serious believer is a pastor. Once you are getting serious in God, as they get a pastor, even as a lady, they just they, they pastorize you. <laughs> uh, they just attach pastor to you. And they always see vision. They always come with a vision. Because how will you believe they are hearing God if they don't give you vision? So even if there's no vision, they cook up one. And say, Auntie, enter in fair. That person you are dating is not God's will for you. One man will show up, and men not showing up every day. You know, this are when you really listen, you know that there is no revelation behind this. Say, so one man will show up. When he shows up, just be patient. It's the will of the Lord. See, as a family, you have a vision retreat. And for those of us that may be engaged, or when you get engaged, have a vision retreat. Before you get married, and after you get married, it must happen minimum once a year. Have a vision retreat. Now, you may not be afford to go somewhere to have it, but you must have it. What do you do at a vision retreat? You sit down and talk about every area of your life together. And when you're doing that, you see, especially if you have a dominant personality, Ensure you are not the only one being hard. The other person is also being hard. Because it's no longer a vision retreat. If you go there and say, you say, next year we are doing this, we are doing this, we are doing this, we are doing this. It's not a retreat. You could have just written it and handed it over to me. It must be a discussion. And you see, if you're someone with a dominant personality, right, it will get to a point. Your partner will no longer speak. And it may be that what you need for the breakthrough of that family is in what they will tell you. But since they are not being heard, they'll just say, oh. even if we say it, he will not listen or she will not listen. If you want to have a vision retreat, you have to plan it ahead. And you have, if you have children, you cannot have vision retreat with children. You plan it, you go without kids. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One junior cannot be crying somewhere. When the vision wants to come, the cry will take away the vision. <laughs> it could be a night, it could be two nights. Leave the comfort of your home. You see, 
what you also do there is you pray to God to inspire your heart. Now, a vision from God might not come immediately at that point. Do you understand? But over the weeks, you will realize that certain impressions will come in your spirit. Why don't you do this? Why don't you take this step? Why don't you go this way? You see, things are not as difficult as many of us think. It's because we are not getting God involved. You know, I remember there was a time before I became more organized, I used to look for things a lot. I would look for things, you know. How many of us have been there? You look for things, look for things. You now get tired. One day, it was during the time when, you know, um, I, I just started growing in the things of the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit just asked me, said, why don't you ask me where this thing is? Me and my mom just like, ask like, ask. Is that how they ask the Holy Spirit? You know, but one thing I've come to realize is this. The Holy Spirit does not speak to you when you are in a state of anxiety. So after I had calmed down, I went to watch a movie. I'd even forgotten. I said, like, Holy Spirit, where could this thing be? That thing just dropped in my mind. I went there and I found what I've been looking for for hours. See, many of us, the reason why we are struggling with so many things is because you feel, we feel God is too big to be involved in a small life like yours. We don't say it like that, but sometimes that's our thinking. Like, ah, God will not leave the whole universe. Maybe you are looking for a phone pouch or charger. Ah, I will not be asking God for charger. Then we leave you to go and do it until you are stressed out. You know, some people try to ch- they try to change their spouse. They talk, 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 talk. Instead of you to talk to the only God that can reach them. And the more you talk, the worse they get. Let me tell you, especially for those of us, you know, the women among us, the strength of a woman is not in our words. No women have strength. As a man, see, you need to learn this. You cannot win the battle of words with a woman. No man is on you to you talk, you talk your own. You will get tired. <laughs> you want to reach out, go to God or reach Him in the place of prayers and leave it. When you're going for a vision retreat, make a list of what you want to discuss. Don't leave it blank like, you don't get the air, so what do we do now? No, you make a list, you plan it. The third step, don't trivialize the role of finances. <laughs> don't trivialize the role of finances. For you to have a healthy marriage, understand money plays a major role. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? There is no romance without finance. So don't let anybody deceive you. Hey, it does not matter. Hey, see, I'm not saying you should have millions. Huh? But for those of us that are single, because when you are in love, nothing makes sense. Huh? Single, say amen. There must be at least one stable source of income. Don't marry by faith. All of us grew up hearing that, you know, marry by faith. See, what they don't tell you is that the Bible says faith without works is dead. So it simply means for you to truly say you have faith, there must be work. See, that person that seems like an angel can become a witch in the presence of financial hardship. You now be wondering what happened to my wife. Is the same woman? Is the same man? It's money that revealed what should not be revealed because some things are best not revealed. Money plays a major role. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why every resource that comes in, if you're going to experience a healthy marriage, you must learn to plan it. 
One of the things you must deal with in your home is impulsive spending. Impulsive spending. You see a shoe, you buy it. Say, ah, I have one dress. That shoe will go with it. If you don't buy that shoe, will you die? Every family must have a budget. I still don't understand how people spend money without having plans for it. You just see something on the road, you turn and you buy it. How does that work? See, let me tell you this. Surprise, consistent surprise expenditure uh, is a sign of disrespect in the home. Consistent surprise expenditure is a sign of disrespect. You are always bringing something home as a surprise. I just said this, I, I said I should surprise you. Don't surprise me, it's dishonor. Somebody hear what I'm saying? And don't dishonor your own destiny too by buying things you didn't plan for. If you, don't, if you don't have money for it, we are people of faith, right? Trust God to inspire somebody that will give it to you. Provided you are also a giver. Because you can't receive if you have not given. <laughs> don't trivialize the role of finances. Don't. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 19, the Bible says, Money answers all things. Isn't that amazing? Money answers, oh, it didn't say most things. It answers all things. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 19. In Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 12, he says, for wisdom is a defense and money is a defense. It is angels are a defense. There, <laughs> there are things angels will defend you from. There are things only money can defend you from. He says, money is a defense. You see, let me tell you this. In case somebody thinks I'm talking about, ah, I have millions, I have tens of billions. Let me tell you, what most of us have is enough to live well. It's just that we are not wise enough to manage it. See, do you know there are people that earn 50,000 naira per month and they are married on 50,000? They are married, not engaged. Married. And they are enjoying their home. Do you know that? It might be difficult for you to believe. Let me tell you. They live in houses that are their size. In the part of town that will not put them under pressure. They don't go on social media sites that will be painting vision they have not. They know they can't live up to. The reason why many of us will feel, ah, no, this money is not enough, this money is not enough, because you have created too many things around yourself that makes you dissatisfied. That's why Paul the Apostle said that in little and in much, he said, I've learned to adjust. Whether there is plenty or there is little, I've learned how to, to manage it. To mismanage your finances is a short guarantee to have a marital breakdown. It's only a matter of time. Remember the rain? The floods and the wind will not come when you are building. It will come when you are finished building. At the time when the flood will have a strong effect, that's when it will show up. Those of us that everything that comes in, we spend it. Huh? You will experience the effect of it during COVID lockdown. Didn't you? And let me tell you this. Don't you think that's the last one that will happen? I've been saying it for years and I'll keep saying it. Nobody expected. Go and read your Bible. There is more to come. It might not be a lockdown, but let me tell you this, the financial structure of this world is being changed. The only thing that will give you a guarantee of survival is to do things God's way. If they told you you will be at home three months, you will not be able to come out, would you believe it? So you think, ah, finally it's over, now I can spend anything, buy anything, ah. So learn how to make Manage and multiply your money as a single and as a married person. Make the money by getting a job or starting a business. Please.
please don't stay with a vision that is not providing for you yet. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Continue fulfilling your vision, but get a job. Am I making sense? Manage the money by documenting your expenses, by saving and avoiding impulsive expenditure. That's how you manage money. You don't save from what is left. You save and you now spend what is left. I've told us several times, saving is as spiritual as tithing. There are many believers who tithe and don't save. We are living in disobedience. The same Bible that says that you should tithe is the same Bible that says you should save. So you can't do one by ignoring the other. I say, ah, since I've, tithe, I've given my tithe, God will take care of me. It's the same God that said you should save. A couple of weeks ago, I asked someone, you know, in um, the organization of one of my mentors, say something that blew me away. away. He said, for the last five years, we've saved 40% of everything that comes in. 40%. 40%. You've not even saved 4%. Number three. Is that number three? Number four. Consistently seek and receive counsel from qualified sources. Consistently seek and receive counsel from qualified sources. You can't be the only ones counseling each other as a couple. Every counsel is... Consistently seek and receive counsel from qualified sources. There must be someone, you see, that you are both submitted to, that you go to frequently. People go for counsel when they run into problems. I've not been able to understand that. The reason why you should go for counsel is so that you will not enter into problem. We have scheduled meetings with our mentors. I'm not telling you what we don't do. Scheduled meetings. It's not that I'm praying that it will happen. No. You make it happen. Because they will not even remember to call you to make it happen. Scheduled meetings. So that you will not enter into the crisis in the first place. And there's a reason why I said from qualified sources. Because many of us are receiving counsel but from non-qualified sources. You see somebody slap his wife. You see a woman have no honor and who has disregard for her husband. And you, to you, that's the person that should counsel you about marriage. I said, ah, my wife, my wife did this. I don't ah, say, what did you now do? Ah, nothing. You know, the Bible says, husband, love your wife. Stop saying, ah. She will do it again. As she said it, when she wanted to say the second one, you should have given her two slap. Pa, pa. You say, next time, when she wants to say, she will remember the slap. You know that's counsel some people receive. The first time it will be like, ah, no, 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 I can't slap my wife. Just keep hearing it. One day you will do it. One day you will do it. Or you're a woman, you're around friends. So, ah, my husband did something and you're like, ah, so what did you now do? Ah, you give him a piece of your mind, though. Keep giving the piece until you have nothing left. So you give him a piece, oh, ah, he will take you for doyo. Ah, are you mumu? Ah, no, 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 no. You give it to him. Keep giving it. And see how well it will work out. Consistently seek and receive counsel from qualified sources. 
Proverbs 24 and verse 6. The Bible says, For by wise counsel, did you see that? Please, let's have it on the screen, media. Proverbs 24 and verse 6. I want us to see that. Let's read together. What does it say? For by what? For by wise counsel. It didn't say by counsel. It means it's not every counsel that is wise. It says, For by wise counsel you will make your war, and in the multitude of what? In the multitude of what? Counselors, there is safety. Otherwise, somebody hear me talk about my mentors. Because I'm the multitude of counselors. Now, you shouldn't have too much that you now become confused. And you can't have too many that all of them are saying conflicting things. This one says slap. This one says give up a court. This one says calm down. You are confused. Where should I slap? Where should I give up a court? Where should I calm down? You are not sure. They should all be saying the same thing. As well as a believer, you must find your tribe. Your spiritual lineage. In that lineage, everybody will be saying the same thing. You can't belong here. That's why I pity those of us that you think you are being spiritual. Every online prayer, you join everything. You see, a madman is a man that has too many voices in his head. You will soon become confused. You join this one, you join that one. You think you are being spiritual. No, you are confused. You are confused. Because in Israel, there were tribes. There was Judah. There was God. There every, there are tribes in this Christian faith thing. So, you go to a place, they tell you, everything is prayer. And they are not wrong. It's their attitude. That's the work God gave them. You now go to another place. They say that, no, you confess the word. They confess the word. Ah. The problem in your life is not confession. You will shout, you see, you're already getting confused. Is one wrong? No, but there may be no balance. So before you know it, you'll be confused. Which one should I do now? At the end of the day, people like that, go and check it. They walk out of the Christian faith or they become unserious. Because when they have tried many things, because there is no consistency of application, nothing will work. They'll not think, this is not even working, Daddy. I always tell people, I'm not ashamed to say it. I've had the same pastor for 20 years. You know, some people, like I said earlier, many pastors, you meet this person, they introduce you, this is my pastor. You introduced me to one pastor two days ago. This is this one again. How do you qualify a source of counsel? The counsel must align with God's word. If someone is counseling you, their counsel must align with God's word. Number two, they must want your marriage to work. Somebody cannot be counseling you that has no interest. Someone has divorced ten times and you are going to them for marriage counseling. They'll tell you, can't you see my life? You see, after I left Dio, I left Tyre, I left (laughs) Bio. See, I'm enjoying my life. You don't need a man. I tell you that. They must want your marriage to work. You can't go receive counsel about marriage from someone that has no value for marriage. That's not a qualified source of counsel. They may be able to counsel you about business, but marriage, they are not qualified. Number next, they must want the best for you. Some people don't want the best for you. That's why young people running after people because someone is successful say, be my mentor, be my mentor. See, this mentorship thing, you do it spiritually. You ask God for it. God must put your love in people's hearts. Do you understand what I'm saying? Someone does not care about you. You are the one always running after them. Always, They don't even care. You've been sending messages to them for 10 years. They never responded once. 
So somebody tell you that maybe they are not the ones God is sending to you or sending to you now. You must want the best for you. How do you qualify a counsel next? You must consider the counselor as being qualified to counsel you. Because the counselor may be qualified, but you don't consider the person as being qualified enough to speak into your life. For instance, I'm the pastor of this church, but I'm not a mentor to everybody in this church. I would be a fool to think that. It's not everybody that thinks I can speak into their life. Some people may come to the gate and maybe, oh, they like the word, they like the word, whatever. But I can't speak into their life, and I know that. It would be low self-esteem for me not to understand that. You can't speak into everybody's life. And the same way everybody can't speak into your life, you must know who is qualified, who you consider as being qualified to speak into your life. Number five, prioritize your growth and personal development. I might just need to rush the others. Prioritize your growth and personal development. Have you learned anything this morning? Prioritize your growth and personal development. Why? Because you can't give what you don't have. If your marriage is going to be healthy, you must become healthy. And you only become healthier by growing and developing yourself. First Peter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says, Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You must be growing. You must be growing. If they marry you at 25 or marry you at 30, 20 years later, you should not be at the same level of development that they married you or that you married. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are things that a 25-year-old wife would do or a 30-year-old wife that when adults or people that are more mature, when they hear, they can excuse it. You can't behave that way in your 40s. People will wonder, are you alright? You should have outgrown this. Just grow emotionally. Grow spiritually. Marriage is a spiritual responsibility for a man, for a woman. As a man, they can't ask you to pray. You are a married man. You, you, you can't pray. He said, plus Jesus minus Satan. Amen. Bless this food, O Lord, for Christ's sake. Amen. For Christ's sake. It's Christ that wants to eat the food. So you are blessing him for Christ's sake. He's the one that wants to eat. It's for your sake. He said, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. You are good. You are good. You are the Jehovah. The Jehovah. The Alpha. The Alpha. We thank you. Thank you. We don't know how to describe you, but you know, you know. Thank you. They don't know what to say. They are like, Father, we don't know, you know, we don't have the words. Use words. Let us hear the word. So we don't have the words to describe you, but you know you are marvelous. You are too big to be described in Jesus' name. That's prayer. As a married man. They call you all of a sudden, your child has been rushed to hospital. What will you be saying? Father, you are big. You are big. We thank you. You, you won't be able to quote any scripture. To put the devil at bay. He said, Father, you know you are good. You are good. <laughs> we don't have the words. At that point, you will not have the words. And the devil says, since he has no words, <laughs> I have the right to operate. Grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, grow up. Grow up. Grow up emotionally. The things that got you angry, the things that got you depressed, that you used to cry over. You can't be crying, in, crying over those same things two, three, four, five years after marriage. Can't. Number six, avoid toxic influences. Avoid toxic influences. Toxic influences sometimes comes from well-meaning family and friends. And you must be sensitive enough to recognize it and avoid it. 
everyone cannot be speaking into your life. And everyone should not be speaking into your life. If no one can speak into your life, that is pride. If everyone is speaking into your life, that is foolishness. It is wisdom to know who should and who can speak into your life. Did you get that? So avoid toxic influences. As a married, as a single, one of the ways to avoid toxic influence is to ensure you don't marry a toxic person. Ahab married Jezebel. Jezebel was a toxic person. He wanted something that didn't belong to him. He came home looking morose, depressed. The wife said, what is it? He said, I want a neighbor's vine. He said, that one, don't worry, I'll get it for you. Killed the man, handed over the vineyard. King Uzziah was a toxic influence in the life of Isaiah the prophet. He said, in the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So as long as Uzziah was still alive, he would never have seen the Lord. Delilah was a toxic influence in the life of Samson. What are the toxic influences in your life? A toxic influence makes you downplay the importance of God. A toxic influence makes you redefine marriage according to the trends and standard of this present age. A toxic influence encourages you to keep secret from your partner. That is everything you tell your husband. No? Everything you tell your wife. No obedience, shefi, no all. How many of us have had that before? That's what they say where I come from. They say you cannot show a woman your heart. So who do you show it to? Your parents. As a man here or as a woman, if you are married and your next of kin is still a family member, you are wrong. If that person is not, is not kin enough and you married the person, something is wrong. You see, a lot of trouble some women go through, especially in certain tribes, is because they didn't pay attention to these things. You marry someone, you are not next of kin. His brother is next of kin. They have the right to throw you out. He has plenty of money, plenty of accounts. His brothers, his sisters, they are designated to the account. And some days are some of the conversations you have as a single. You are dating a guy, he's a business person. They say, ah, I like him. Why? Ah, in the, he's an importer and exporter. He has money. Can you be a signature to his account? If he does not trust you that much, you better look for somebody else. You better. Because like I said, the challenges of life don't come pre-announced. Nobody's saying anything will happen. But if anything should happen, his, families will tr- his family members will throw you out. That's why I said you don't build on culture. You don't build on tradition. You build on God's word. There are some places that's their tradition. No, it's, it's bro- they are closer to their family than their spouse. How can your parents and your siblings know what you have and your partner does not know? If there is your family you are married to, be committing, just go and be committing incest. Because those are the people you are married to. I'm not giving you a right before somebody grabs that now. You know, the social media ninja. They say, Pastor, I can't tell some of the gateway just say it is okay to commit incest. I didn't say that. Listen to the full context. Number seven, prioritize friendship. Prioritize friendship. In marriage, prioritize friendship. Don't just marry, especially for us men. Don't just marry, dump the woman in the house and continue with your life. She's a goal. You have achieved it. Let's move on to the next thing. Prioritize friendship. Prioritize friendship. Sometimes leave that phone. Turn off that TV. And talk to each other. A lot of people today, you see couples go to restaurant, go out. They could have just stayed in their house. They are still pressing phone. Say, I must receive this call. I must receive this call. Let me tell you this. We always be called to receive. But that partner will not always be there. You know, I think one of the manipulations of believers is that there's this deception that, you know, she's not going anywhere. Or he's not going anywhere. He's a Christian brother that if he has gone, he can't leave me. 
So that gives you the right to treat the person anyhow. Sometimes you need to switch off your phone to spend time with your partner. Even as engaged couples. Huh? You are not a couple yet. As engaged singles. <laughs> switch off the phone. Turn off the TV. You can't be watching man you and ask and say, No, Master, Master, I'm hearing, I'm hearing. Oh, you can't be hearing. Turn it off. But they say where I come from, they say the talk is in the eyes. You talk. Many of us are destroying our homes with our phones. With our TV. But that's why I said one of the tests every home will go through is a test of blessing. When you could not afford smart TV, that it was dumb TV. Huh? There was not too many things to watch. But now you have YouTube, you have Netflix. As you finish one show, you move to the next one. So now you don't even have time for each other again. The home is dying. The blessing is already wrecking the home. It would have been better if you didn't have it. Some people were closer when they had nothing. How about some families like that? They were close. In the days where they didn't have money to buy a generator. I'm not saying you go back to that time. Do you understand? And the wife was sweating. The husband would do Vijay and be fanning her. <laughs> but now, there is a sea everywhere. No intimacy anymore. You don't even have time. Next, don't keep score. Practice forgiveness. Practice forgiveness. A healthy marriage only happens between two forgivers. That's number eight, right? Number nine, maintain your marriage. How do you maintain it? By putting in the work required. Invest the time. Invest the resources. Invest the energy. Invest the focus required to making your marriage work. No marriage works by itself. Even if it is made in heaven, it must be maintained on that. That's why there are anointed people with failed marriages. Because marriage does not work by anointing. It works by work. If you see the grass greener on the other side, it's because somebody took responsibility to water the grass. It didn't just work. Some of us have seen couples before that you're wondering, ah, these people, they are so close. See them gissing. It's as if time is on a pause when they are talking. But you look at the person you are even engaged to. And let me tell you this, it's a red flag if you are in a relationship and there's nothing to talk about. Five minutes already looks like five hours. So when you get married, what will happen? Is it that you need to work on something or you are with the wrong person? Because you should marry your friend. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't marry money. This generation needs to hear that. Money is important. Oh, I just told us. But you don't, money should not be the first. <laughs> How about a guy who wanted to get married to a girl? And the guy was sincere. He told this pastor. His pastor said, Why do you want to marry this, this lady? He said, Because her father promised her one millionaire. are the stupid reasons people get married. He said, ah, if I can marry her at least. What he does not understand is one million naira alone will finish at the wedding. <laughs> so by the time they get married that night, they already broke. Let me tell you this. If you marry someone because of money, that money can finish. There is no amount of money that cannot finish. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even if your name is the richest man in the world, one government policy can wipe out a lifetime of wealth. I hope you know that. Because for you to be a richest man, you are operating in a country. And in every country, there is a government. All they need is policy. Just somebody, one madman will just arise one day and sign something. And that wealth is gone. 
You know, say, I know he's from, he's from, he's the family of the richest. He, he, he can never be poor. Really? Have you been blessed this morning? Alright, so the last thing is be selfless. I think that's number 10. Be selfless. Be selfless. Take the spotlight off yourself. It's not about you. It's not about you. Marriage is all about give and give, not take and take. Don't go into marriage with a, sim- uh, with a parasitic mindset. And don't be married with a parasitic mindset. Oh, I, 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 I'm the best thing that happened to him before sliced bread. Congratulations. So whether it's convenient for him or not. Now people can say that this is not convenient for this guy. But he's the one that married me. Now. No, he didn't marry you. You married each other. He's not the only one that said that I do. You both said it. So marriage, you give to give. You're going to marry to give. You're going to a relationship because you want to give, not because you want to take. Father, we thank you this morning for the seed of your word as we sown in our hearts. We thank you, Father, because your word says the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Father, we have learned such your feet this morning.